Countdown for blastoff. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Hi, this is Carl Amari, and welcome to Episode 9 of Radio Rarities, the weekly podcast series that examines unique episodes from the golden age of radio. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. This time, we'll have one of my favorite shows. Featuring the man who's a friend to those who have no friend. And enemy to those who make him an enemy, Boston Blackie. We'll present the premiere episode of the first ever Boston Blackie radio series from 1944. Lisa, the Boston Blackie character was created 30 years prior to this first radio broadcast by Jack Boyle, a convict in Cannon City, Colorado Penitentiary. While serving a sentence for passing bad checks and robbery, he began writing about Boston Blackie under the pen name 6066, which was his prison number. Boyle wrote over two dozen Boston Blackie short stories between 1914 and 1925. In these stories by Jack Boyle, Boston Blackie is the nickname of John Dawson, who is a con man, thief, and safecracker. Boyle's introduction of the character reveals that his piercing black eyes and New England birthplace was the origin of the moniker. In the 1920s, there were several silent films adapted from Boyle's stories starring Burt Lytle and William Russell, among others. But what's curious is that there were no Boston Blackie talkies produced until the 1940s. That's when Columbia Pictures revived the character by releasing Meet Boston Blackie in 1941. Blackie was no longer a crook. He was rehabilitated and used his knowledge of the underworld to help his fellow man. He wasn't a licensed private detective either, just an ex-con who used his talents to solve crimes that the cops thought he committed. Rightly said, Chester Morris starred as Boston Blackie in all 14 films released by Columbia during the 1940s. Morris had a 20-year acting career and received an Academy Award nomination for Best Actor in the 1929 thriller Alibi. In 1944, the Boston Blackie character was brought to radio, with Morris reprising his film role. It was the summer replacement for the Amos and Andy show on NBC. Though this was the initial radio series, Chester Morris had made guest appearances as Blackie on other shows. The first was in a 1941 Kraft Music Hall sketch with Bing Crosby. And the second was on Tommy Riggs and Betty Lou in March of 1943, Both of these were publicity stunts for Columbia to promote Morris and their current Boston Blackie releases. The week before this radio series debuted in 1944, Morris was a guest on the final Amos and Andy episode of the season with an in-character plug for the new Boston Blackie summer replacement show. 
To retain continuity with the films, a few of the characters were carried over to the radio version. Including Blackie's nemesis on the police force, Inspector Faraday, portrayed by Richard Lane, later known as Dick Lane, an announcer on TV for his colorful broadcasting of roller derby and wrestling, and that whoa Nelly phrase. One of Blackie's buddies from the movies, The Runt, was also heard in the radio series. Yeah, but his name was changed to Shorty. As played by Dick Ryan, a character actor heard in numerous shows, including Lux Radio Theater and The Cavalcade of America. The 1944 Blackie series was sponsored by Lever Brothers, makers of Rinso Soap, with commercials by one of our favorite announcers, Harlow Wilcox. Who was also promoting Johnson Wax on Fibber McGee and Molly. And now, here's the very first radio episode of Boston Blackie from June 23, 1944, The Jonathan Diamond. Let's listen. Lever Brothers, makers of Rinso, R-I-N-S-O, Soapy Rich Rinso, present Boston Blackie, starring Chester Morris. Municipal Tower to Transcontinental Flight 17. Municipal Tower to Transcontinental Flight 17. Over. That's us, Tom. Check it. Check. Transcontinental Flight 17 in Municipal Tower. Flight 17 in Municipal Power. Over. Police instructions. Check and see if you have male passenger occupying seat 24. Passenger occupying seat 24. Wanted by police. Over. I'm just checking my list, Joe. Yep, we got a man in 24. I'll tell him. Municipal Tower. We have a man in seat 24. The name he's traveling under is John J. Jones. John J. Jones. Maybe that's his right name, but the police want him. They know him as Boston Blackie. Maybe you've met Boston Blackie before on your local movie screen. In case some of you haven't, I think you'll soon be fast friends of his. And maybe you've already tried new Soapy Rich Rinso, too. In which case, you don't need me to tell you how good it is. But if you aren't using Rinso now, I can't think of a better time for you to start. Now when summer is here, you certainly don't want to spend hours on wash day scrubbing and boiling clothes. Well, just keep in mind that Rinso gets out the dirt without hard scrubbing or boiling. A short soaking in Rinso's lively suds, a few quick finger rubs, and you'll be ready to hang out a Rinso whitewash. Try this on your clothesline and see if you don't start whistling while you wash. And now, meet Boston Blackie. Outside the law is no strange territory to Blackie, but never does he stray for personal reward, although the police, and notably Inspector Faraday, find no solace in his motives and only bewilderment in his ability to remain out of their reach. Meet Chester Morris as Boston Blackie, enemy to those who make him an enemy, Friend to those who have no friends. You Chicago police have been very cooperative. Thanks a million. Glad to help you, Inspector Faraday. When we send a man to New York, you can return the favor. Glad to. Anytime, Captain. There's the plane now, Inspector. See it? Blackie has got to be on it. We know he was on the plane when it left Detroit, and it hasn't made any stops. Well, Blackie's liable to get out of anything, anytime. 
I remember once I had him in two sets of handcuffs. In the next minute... No handcuffs. No, Blackie. Chances are I couldn't have made the charge stick anyhow. Never have been able to tie anything on him in six years. You'll be able to arrest him now, won't you, Inspector? You're sure Blackie's a man, are you, Miss Moray? Oh, of course I'm sure. I was with my grandfather when he was robbed and the money stolen. The thief wore no mask, and I recognized him from the picture of Boston Blackie that was in the paper last year. Mm. Oh, I'm sure it was Blackie. Mm -hmm. Why do you keep asking me if I'm sure? I just wanted to be certain, that's all. I've been waiting to get a witness to make a positive identification for a long time. Oh, here comes the plane now. You think he'll have the money with him? I can't wait until I get my hands on it. There's lots of money in this world, Miss Moray. What I can't wait to get my hands on is Boston Blackie. Go ahead in, Miss Moray. I've been keeping Blackie in my hotel room here until our plane leaves for New York. Talk to him yourself. Mm-hmm. I can't get anything out of him. Go ahead now. Monahan's in there guarding him, and I'll be right here outside the door. All right, Inspector Faraday. Blackie always was a soft touch for a girl. Here's hoping you get something out of him. Oh, Inspector, you'll never know how important it is to me that I do. Uh, hello? Uh, he won't say a word, miss. Just sits there like he did all the time the inspector was questioning him. Oh, I'll try. Blackie? Boston Blackie, would you talk to me? About business or pleasure? Maybe a little of both. Detective Monaghan, could Mr. Blackie and I go over in the corner and talk? Oh, sure. I don't know why not. I'll stroll over to the window. Would you please come over here with me, Blackie? Oh, sure. I've been waiting for a chance like this to have a little chat with you, Miss Moray. You identified me as the man who stole $10,000 from your grandfather. Yes, yes, I did. You know, you never saw me before in your life, Miss Moray. I wish I had. I wouldn't be in such desperate trouble now. You're in trouble. You had me arrested because you're in trouble? What is this, a new switch on the share the wealth plan? Oh, please let me explain. From what I've heard of you, Blackie, you're the only man living who can help me. But I had no idea of where or how I could reach you. Oh, so you made up the story of my stealing your grandfather's money, huh? Yes, I did. I knew the police could trace your movements where I couldn't. And I knew you could get away from Inspector Faraday once I'd seen you. (laughs) Well, thanks for the confidence. (sighs) the very worst, I could have said I was mistaken in the identification, and then they would have had to let you go. Only by then, it would be too late. So, look, uh, let's get organized. Uh, too late for what? To recover the diamond that was stolen from me. Uh-uh, you, you've got the wrong boy, lady. If a diamond was stolen from you, let the police get it back. They're in that business. But that diamond, Blackie, the rest of my life depends on it. I, I must have it back by tomorrow night. Oh, please, please help me. Well, with these handcuffs on and two New York detectives guarding me, I couldn't be of very much help to anybody. But those handcuffs, haven't I heard that you can get out of them whenever you want to? Yes, but I've got to want to first. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm more than sorry. I'm miserable. I knew I had to reach you, and I just messed up everything. No, I'll never... Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Miss Moray. We'll figure some way out. Here. Uh, wipe your eyes with this handkerchief. Thanks. Put your hand. You cut out of the handcuff. Okay, now. There, your eyes are nice and dry. Now blow. <laughs> you feel better now? Yes. Yes, I do. All right, then. Let me have your bad time story. Uh, I don't know how I can laugh. Oh, it's easy. You, you just open your mouth and close your eyes and think of Inspector Faraday. <laughs> Never fails. Come on, Miss Moray. Tell me the whole story before Faraday gets restless. Well, I'm engaged to George Atwater. Yes? We're to be married soon, and yesterday he brought me something to look at. The Jonathan Diamond. The Jonathan, huh? Oh, 
That's worth a fortune. Oh, George, his father has millions. Here, Miss Murray, you are right over there. Oh, oh, yes, officer, thank you. I, I won't be a minute now. Blackie, the diamond belonged to George's father. George brought it over to show me, and then he had a little too much to drink, and I thought it safer if he left it with me. He agreed. And sometime during the night, it must have been stolen from my apartment. I get it. If you don't produce the diamond, there'll be a mess. Uh, the police don't know anything about the diamond? No. That's why I made up the story about my grandfather and the stolen money. Well, when do you have to produce the Jonathan, Miss Moy? Tomorrow night. George gets back from a trip then. He'll want it and... Oh, Blackie. Tomorrow night? That doesn't give me much time to work, but I'll try. Uh, call the detective over here. All right, but why? Shh, don't ask questions. Just get him over. All right. Officer! Officer, would you come over here a minute, please? Sure, Miss Glatcher. Well, did he tell you anything? No, but I've got something to tell you, Monaghan. Indeed, and what's that? This. You shouldn't have done that, Blackie. You shouldn't have hit the officer. <laughs> you sure would have disappointed me if you hadn't said that. Now, listen. I'm going out the window and down the fire escape. As soon as I get moving, you scream for Faraday. Tell him what happened, that I socked Monaghan and put the handcuffs on you. Here, I'd better do that now. Faraday's got the key. He'll open them later. There. Now, remember, you finally worked this handkerchief from around your mouth and screamed. Have you got that? Yes. Oh, Blackie, please remember that getting back that diamond means my marriage and my whole life's happiness. Okay. Well, I'm going to New York, and I'll do my best. If I get back the diamond, you get married. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be surprised if instead of Boston Blackie, from now on I'm known as Chicago Cupid. <laughs> Shorty, listen, when a piece of ice like the Jonathan Diamond is lifted, somebody's got to know something about it. Look, Blanky, I've been out all night on it. Nobody knows nothing. All I could pick up was that a fellow named Atwater owns it. None of the boys that touch it. That is, except Duke Walton. I'm telling you, this is Hollis a pistol, but Duke's been bragging that he'll grab it one of these days. Yeah, well, where can I find him? Well, I, I checked that, too. He's out of town. That's definite. He's been gone a week. Now, look, boss, why don't you lay off? Shorty, I promised to get that diamond back. I chartered a plane out of Chicago last night after breaking out of that hotel room. Young Atwater isn't due back in town till tonight, so I still have a little time. I'm going to waste some of it on a visit to the Atwater house. Ain't you a little out of your class up there, Blackie? <laughs> you know, they got an awful lot of dough, those Atwaters. <laughs> you know something, Shorty? After the way that Moray girl smiled at me in Chicago, <laughs> I kind of feel like a million dollars myself. <laughs> Yes, sir. I'd like to see Mr. Atwater. Who shall I say is calling, please? Uh, Mr. Jones. Mr. John J. Jones. Uh, Mr. Atwater doesn't know me, but you can say it's about his son. About Mr. George Atwater, Jr.? That's right. Uh, he's in, sir. Would you like to see him? George is in? Well, I certainly would like to see him. When did he get back? A little while ago, sir. He returned earlier than we expected. Uh, come this way. He's in the library right here. Shall I announce you? No, no, thanks. I'll, uh, I'll go right in. Very good, sir. Hello there. Uh, Mr. Atwater? Yes, I'm George Atwater. Who are you? Well, my name is Jones, Mr. Atwater. John J. Jones. I'm a friend of your fiancé's. Oh, a friend of Lee's? That's right. And if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you a question. Sure, go ahead. Well, the night before last, when you left, Miss Moray, you were a little, uh... <laughs> oh, what do you mean, a little? I was uh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't mean to be personal, but did you stop off anywhere on your way home? No, I got a cab and came right home. 
Uh, Mr. Atwater, where do you usually keep the Jonathan Diamond? I don't know what you're driving at, Mr. Jones, uh, but, well, we keep it here in the library, in this wall safe. Only it's not here now. Would you open the safe for me, please? Well, now, Mr. Jones, you're a perfect stranger to me, even though you are a friend of Miss Moray's. Well, you could hardly expect... Oh. So, so, this is a holdup. I'm sorry I had to pull this gun on you, Mr. Atwater, but I want to see that safe. You don't mind if I lock the library door, do you? I do mind, but I don't suppose that matters. <laughs> Not a bit. There we are. So the Jonathan was kept in the safe, huh? combination, Mr. Atwater, and keep your hands where I can see them. Sorry, Mr. Jones. I seem to have forgotten the combination. Well, I haven't time to make you remember it. Oh, the safe doesn't look too tough. Come over here where I can watch you while I go to work on it. All right. There's nothing inside the safe, but go ahead and open Quiet. it. Quiet. Take that watch off your wrist and put it in your pocket. It's making too much noise. I can't hear the tumblers drop. Come on, come on, take it off. All right. I think that I've got the first number. Now for the second one. <laughs> this box of yours is pretty simple, Mr. Atwater. In fact, it's about the most unsafe safe I ever saw. There, that's the second number, all right? Do you want to be a good boy and tell me the last number? No? Okay, be a bad boy and watch me find it out for myself. There. Now that ought to do it. I'll try the handle now. Well, made it. My compliments. Save them. Let's take a look in this jewelry box. Oh, so the Jonathan Diamond wasn't in the safe, huh? Well, what's this, then? That, uh, that's the Jonathan, all oh. right. I, I meant to leave it at Miss Moray's apartment, but, uh, but I changed my mind. Open that door! Open that door! Open the door, Mr. Atwater! We're the police! Open up! Faraday, he must have had Shorty watched and trail me here. You don't mind if I close this safe door, do you, Mr. Jones? I want you to be cuffed with that diamond still in your hand. Well, this seems to be my day for unexpected visitors. Now keep away from that door, Atwater. You don't scare me. I'm going to open it. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm going. You'll have to hurry. He's going through the window. Quick. He's got the Jonathan diamond. He must still be in the garden. I've got two men out there. Maybe I can spot him from here. Come on, Monaghan. Blackie! Blackie, Stop! We've got him. And he's got the Jonathan Diamond. At last, Boston Blackie caught red hand. Well, it does look, look as though Blackie is in for it now. But I have a hunch there's still plenty of action coming up. And uh, shifting from Blackie to Whitey, that is Rinso White... I'd like to tell you about a completely different kind of action, the kind you get with Rinso Suds in your washer. Yes, those Rinso Suds are so peppy and lively, they get your clothes sparkling white and bright with as little as a five-minute run per load. And when I say sparkling white, of course I really mean... Exactly, Rinso White. And there's no better way than that whistle to describe the special kind of white Rinso gets your clothes. That's because Rinso gets out more dirt. Simple, isn't it? No wonder Rinso is the only soap recommended by the makers of 33 leading washers. And, of course, a short run is not only easy on your washer, it's easy on your clothes. Keeps them new-looking longer. So next wash day, do yourself a big favor. Whistle up a Rinso White, Rinso Bright wash. You're listening to Radio Rarities. We'll return after this short break. 
Hi, I'm Carl Amari. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, The Whistler, and Abbott and Costello, consider joining the Classic Radio Club. Each month, members receive 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time. As curator, the 10 shows I select will be the best sound quality and the most popular, along with a rare show sprinkled in to add to the fun. I'll also send you historical liner notes plus photos of the radio stars. Members also receive an email each week with a link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show. The links never expire, so you can listen to Hollywood 360 whenever you'd like. The first month membership fee is only $1, with each additional month under $10. And you can cancel at any time with no obligation. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you're supporting this show, so we thank you very much. Join the Classic Radio Club at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now, back to Radio Rarities. And now, back to the adventures of Boston Blackie, starring Chester Morris. How do you like ourselves, Blackie? <laughs> Air conditioning between the bars, comfortable enough for you? Oh, sure, this one's wonderful. I wish you'd try sleeping on that mattress they have in here. <laughs> I gave up in the middle of the night and slept on the stone floor. It was softer. Oh, come on, Faraday, how about a couple of pillows? Oh, huh? poor Blackie. Too bad I didn't hear you. I've suddenly gotten very deaf. Isn't that terrible? You've suddenly gotten very deaf, and you've always been very dumb. Oh, very funny, Blackie. Yes, I know. New gag writer. Last one, have to go back to kindergarten? Yes, and he told me how much all the other children miss you since you stopped going, Faraday. <clears throat> Blackie, we had to grab you on that Moray girl's charge. All right, so you grabbed me. A $10,000 stick-up, Blackie. That isn't important now. We'll talk about that later. But where's the Jonathan Diamond? Jonathan Diamond? What's that? Listen, Blackie, you've had that diamond in your hand. Now you had it when we broke in. Atwater saw it there. Where is it now? Now, you listen, Faraday. You've got to get me out of here in a couple of hours. You haven't a thing to hold me on. No? Breaking into the Atwater house? I broke out of the house, not into it. Now, see if that's a crime, Inspector. You opened a safe in the library and you stole the Jonathan diamond. How about that? You sure I did? Hmm. Does that safe look for us? Did you find the diamond on me? No, 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 no to all those things. But we've got George Atwater as a witness. A witness to what? I was calling on him at the suggestion of a mutual friend, Inspector. Hmm. We were having a chat when somebody started to pound on the door. I got scared and jumped through the window. You know, things like that happen, Inspector. People get scared and they jump. Blackie, I'm telling you this man to man, we've got a case against you. Atwater's word against yours that you robbed his safe. And slugging Monaghan in Chicago. The Moray girl's testimony that you robbed a grandfather. That'll add up to ten years at least. Go ahead, Inspector. All right, I'll be honest, Blackie. Young Atwater screaming about his diamond. Says you had it one minute, we grabbed you the next minute, so it can't be missing. Only it, it is. All right, you tell us where you hid it, and I'll get him to drop all charges. I'll even talk to the Moray girl to get her to go easy if you return her dough. Now, how's that? I don't know. Oh, you must have it stashed somewhere. Give me your word of honor to deliver it back to me today, and I'll let you out. Your word's always been good to me, Blackie. Oh, come on. Don't you want to get out of jail? Well, I don't know. Now, Faraday, it's kind oh. of a nice jail. You know, air conditioning between the Blackie, bars. Blackie, Blackie, be a good guy. Okay, Faraday, as a favor to you, I'll come out. And you'll have your diamond back two hours after I leave you. But I'm not to be bothered during that time by the cops. You understand? Bothered? You'll be protected. And thanks a million, Blackie. <laughs> That's all right, Faraday. I'll get plenty of satisfaction every time I remember you begging me to get out of jail. <laughs> Miss Moray, this is Blackie. Can you talk? Oh, yes, of course. Nobody's here. Did you... Did I get the diamond? Well, yes and no, Miss Moray. Nobody ever stole it from your apartment. What? 
Atwater says he took it with him when he left you the other night. But that's impossible. He didn't. I know he didn't. I even looked at it after he left. Mm, well, Miss Moray, will you meet me by the shrubbery alongside the library window of the Atwater house in exactly a half an hour? Well, all right, but what are we going to do? We're going to rob a safe, Miss Moray, with police protection. <laughs> That flashlight steady, Miss Morey, please. Mm -hmm. We're lucky the safe won't be locked. Why not? Because nobody knows I put the diamond back in it when the police pounded on the door. And it was only slammed shut by young Atwater. Well, here it is. There, you see? It was open. And here's the box that holds the Jonathan diamond. Uh, put your flashlight on it. We'll take a quick look. All right. There. Oh, the box is empty. Uh-oh. Atwater must have seen me put it back and grabbed it. But why is he telling the police that I had it? And see that I'm not disturbed. Uh, quick, that's that water now. Put out that flash and get back of these babes. Hurry. All right. Seven. Six. Nine. What are you doing, Black? I'm counting the clicks on the dial. Seven. Three. Four. Two. Got it. Hello. This is George Atwater. I got your message, but why did you call me here after I... Well, I don't care about that. We made a deal. I don't owe you a dime anymore, and you've got what you wanted. Well, you have to expect it to be hot for a while. And look, remember this. I'm washed up with you and that crooked roulette wheel of yours. We're all square. And if you call me here again, I'll turn you over to the police. Yes, yes. If I hear of anybody who wants to buy it, I'll let you know. You'll what? Don't be foolish. Who'd believe that? Goodbye. I think I understand everything now, Miss Moray, but I've got to find the man Atwater just called. How can you? He didn't mention any name. No, but I counted the clicks as he was dialing that number. If my ears haven't let me down, I can call that number, too. Anyhow, I'm going to try. You think that man has a Jonathan Diamond? Yes, I think so. But you don't have to worry about it from now on. You won't be blamed because it was missing from your apartment. But you're in a mess now, aren't you? Well, yes, kind of. You see, I promised Faraday that he'd have his diamond back in two hours, and I can't keep that promise. Well, I hope the OPA hasn't put a ceiling on tempers, because if they have, he'll hit it. Hello? Police headquarters. Inspector Faraday, please. Just a minute. Faraday speaking. This is Blackie, Faraday. Your time's up, Blackie. Have you got the Jonathan Diamond? Well, no, Inspector, I haven't. You're stalling. Now, Blackie, you've crossed me for the last time. I'm going to have a drag man out that'll have you down here before you know it, and you're going to stay in jail this time. Yeah, but, Inspector, listen, I... He wouldn't listen, Shorty. I've got to work extra fast now. Gee, Blackie, look, if there's anything... Hold it, Shorty. I'm going to try that number Atwater called. Hello. Hello. Um, Atwater told me to call you. Yeah? Who's this? I've got cash I'd like to trade in for something you've got. Atwater says that... Atwater the... says, huh? Okay. I'm in an old house, 632 West 100th Street. First door on the right as you come in. Get here fast and we'll talk business. Okay. Why? Worked, eh, Bucky? I don't know. It was a little too easy. Come on, Shorty. We're going up there to get Faraday's diamond. Unless his dragnet gets me first. Hello? 
Blackie, duck down. Duck down this hallway. Okay, what is it, Shorty? Prowl car, just oh. coming this way. I never saw so many cops as we passed on the way up here. Never mind, Shorty. Stay flattened out against this door until it's time for what I told you to do. Yeah, okay, Blackie. But uh, who really stole the Jonathan Diamond? Nobody stole it, Shorty. Atwater left the stone at Lee Moray's apartment and then returned later that night and lifted it so that Miss Moray could report it stolen to the police. Ixnay, Ixnay, boss. Coppers. Okay, now. Uh, look, boss, why did Atwater want the Dane reporter? So he wouldn't be involved. This guy I called up, the one who lives in this building, has something on Atwater and wanted the diamond as his price for clamming up. Atwater had to get it for him, see? Oh, yeah, I get it. He stashed it in his own safe until he could reach this guy and turn it over to him. Only you opened the safe before he could do it. And he had to figure out a new story, huh, boss? Sure. All he had to tell the cops then is that he was afraid that Jonathan wouldn't be safe at the girl's apartment and that he went back in to get it. Oh. Huh. I thought it was pretty cute when I put the diamond back in the safe. But Atwater must have seen me. Well, wish me luck, Shorty. And don't forget what I told you to do. Yeah, yeah. Okay, boss. Uh, quick. Come on, it's okay now. So long. Yeah, who is it? I called you a little while ago. Okay. Open up. Okay. Well, Duke Walton. <laughs> Put that gun down, Duke. You and I can make a deal. Think so? Sure. Lucky you're not as cute as you thought. I called that water back and found your call was a phony. Too bad for you. Now I gotta bump you. Wait a minute, Duke. I'm gonna wait a couple of minutes, Blackie. Some friends of mine are coming over with a car to take you on a little trip. <laughs> now sit down in that chair and put your arms behind your back. Go on, I ain't the patient type. Okay, Duke. How's that? That's yeah, better. I'm gonna tie you up nice and pretty like that. How do you like it? Too tight for your pretty hair to be tied. Well, yes, if you really want to know. I don't. I'll give it an extra yank just to make sure. Hey, Duke. Huh? Duke, look under the door. Where? That's smoke. Where? Hey, that's right. Well, that makes things easier. This joint's a five trap. I'll scram out of here and leave you tied up, Blackie. <laughs> Lucky, I guess I was just born under a lucky star, eh? Maybe. But don't forget, Duke, sometimes stars have a habit of falling. Yeah, okay, so I'm ducking right out of here. Fire! Fire! The whole building's on fire! Come on, get out of here! That does it. So long, Blackie. Me and the Jonathan Diamond are getting out of here, and both of us are nice and safe, which is more than I can say for you, pal. Oh, wait a minute, Duke. I've got a proposition. Sure, but I got a date. Oh, you're trying to bust him ropes, boy. Maybe the fire will burn him through for you, huh? <laughs> Hey, you did it. How'd you get out of them ropes? Never mind, ain't gonna be any good. Oh, yes, it is, Duke. This place is on fire. Go on, try and get out. Hey, don't have to try. I'm getting. Take a look at the door, Duke. It's locked. Sure, it's locked, and I'm gonna open it right now. Hey, hey where'd the key go to? I've got it, Duke, right here. I locked the door and removed the key when I had my back huh? to the door after you got the drop on me. Come on, give it to me. Give it to me. We'll both be burned to death. Sure, Duke. Here it is. Catch. Hey, hey, don't, don't throw it like hey, Where'd it go? I gotta get it. Sure, you're gonna get it, but good. Ha <laughs> ha, you miss me, sucker. Oh, oh sucker, you are. Get you for this bloody if it's a take a million. Oh, oh, hey, hey, you're breaking my wrist. Drop that gun. Okay. Now, where's the diamond? Never mind the diamond, Blackie. The fire report be tracked. Well, there's no fire, sucker. Huh? My pal Shorty burned some papers in the hall and pounded on the door. But you... Now, give her that diamond. You must have it on you. When you thought there was a fire, you'd have never left without it. I ain't got it, Blackie. I found your phone call was a phony. I give it to a guy to hold for You're me. lying, Duke. I'm going to search you. Now turn around with your back to me and keep your hands in the air. Yeah, okay, but I tell you, I ain't got it on me. Well, we'll see. It's not here. Not here. It's not here. Yeah. It's me, boss. Everything all right? Okay, Shorty, I'll let you in. 
Well, I pick up the key. Now, don't move, you. Well, it worked, huh, boss? Yeah, it worked, but... Do you recognize this guy, Shorty? Yeah, sure. That's Duke Walton, the guy I was telling you about. It was bragged he'd have the Jonathan Diamond. Well, he hasn't got it. I've searched him. He's clean, Shorty. Ah, uh, he's holding out the dirty heel. Yes, the dirty... Heel. Heel, huh? <laughs> you know, Shorty, I think I've got something there. It's the one place I didn't look. Take off your shoes, Duke. Come on, take them off. Yeah. There you went, Blackie. The ice is in my right shoe. There's a slide in the heel. The diamond's inside. Now, that's being very sensible, Duke. I'll just take the diamond out of that slot it's in and at the same time pull myself and Inspector Faraday out of a great big hole. Well, it's, it's bargain day, Faraday. You've got your diamond and I've got Miss Moray. Right, honey? Well, for a while, Blackie. Then I've got to go back home to Wisconsin. Oh. Well, can we go now, Inspector? Okay, Blackie. Go ahead. Beat it. You're in the clear. Only remember this. You make one slip, Blackie, and as sure as my name is Faraday, I'll be on your neck. You'll be on my neck, mm. huh? Okay, Inspector, but before Miss Moray leaves for Wisconsin, I I hope I'll have her there for a little while first. <laughs> say uh, one more thing about Rinso. That same Rinso that's such a big help on wash day. I'd just like to add that it's also a mighty big help three times every day at dishwashing time. Even your greasiest roaster is a cinch to wash in those rich Rinso suds. And of course Rinso's grand for all the soap and water jobs around the house. Walls, floors, woodwork, windows, tiles. They all come sparkling bright and clean with Rinso on the job. So get Rinso tomorrow for dishwashing, for housework, and for a wash that's... And now a glimpse at next week's adventure of Boston Blackie. I won't do it, I tell you. I, I can't do it. Mr. Manletter, it's the only way your business can be saved. I don't care about that. The only way it can be saved is by risking the life of my friend Boston Blackie. Well, I'd rather it were lost. I won't ask Blackie to keep that appointment. I don't even want to know about it. All right, Mr. Manletter, if that's the way you want it. I'm going out and try to raise the money. You'll hear from me later, and remember, I don't want Blackie to hear about this. Hello, Mary. Get me Boston Blackie. <laughs> Sure to listen at this same time next week for another exciting adventure with Boston Blackie, starring Chester Morris with Richard Lane as Inspector Faraday. You can see Chester Morris as Boston Blackie on the screen at your favorite movie theater. Boston Blackie's latest Columbia picture is One Mysterious Night, soon to be released. Original music for this program by Charles Cornell. This is Harlow Wilcox speaking for the makers of Rinso and wishing you all a very pleasant good night. And don't forget, tomorrow, when you ask your grocer for the new Rinso, buy a cake of Life Boy at the same time. Life Boy's rich, purifying ladder goes right after dirt and perspiration, leaves you feeling extra clean. So use Life Boy daily in your bath or shower. Remember, it's the only soap specially made to stop... This is the National Broadcasting Company. 
It's amazing how Blackie is able to escape the law but always gets the girl. This was the first of 13 episodes of the Boston Blackie Summer Series. At the beginning of this episode, there is station identification for New York City affiliate WEAF. This particular recording of Boston Blackie was an air check. The program actually originated from Hollywood. And in the radio series, we never learned Blackie's real name. It was only mentioned one time during the Columbia films. Even though Jack Boyle revealed that Blackie's full name was John Dawson in the short stories in the 1943 Columbia film release After Midnight with Boston Blackie, Blackie is paged by a porter on a train and the porter calls him Horatio Black. So, Carl, which is it, John Dawson or Horatio Black? To me, Horatio Black seems more fitting for a daring safecracker turned amateur detective than the common name John Dawson, so I vote for Horatio Black. And speaking of names, Chester Morris and Richard Lane were the only actors credited on air during the 1944 radio series. Others in the cast of this episode, the Jonathan Diamond, were Dick Ryan as Shorty and Lorreen Tuttle as Miss Murray. Lorene Tuttle was best known on radio as Effie Perrine, Sam Spade's secretary. Also, Leo Cleary played Monaghan. Ken Lyons and Ralph Rosenberg were the writers, and Milton Merlin was the script supervisor. Don Bernard was the director, and sound effects were by Ed Ludds. The lively theme song was composed and played by organist Charles Cornell. The same theme was carried over for the 1945 Boston Blackie series, which did not star Chester Morris. Rightly so. Once the 1944 summer season was completed, Morris was obligated to his film contract. This prevented him from acting in future seasons of Boston Blackie on radio. Frederick W. Ziv, who produced the 1944 summer series, retained the rights to the program and moved it from Hollywood to New York. This gave Dick Colmar, East Coast actor and husband of Dorothy Kilgallen, a chance to star in the show. Kalmar portrayed Boston Blackie in more than 200 episodes from 1945 until 1950, which were broadcast live and later distributed via syndication by Ziv's firm. The 1945 radio series featured Maurice Tarplin, best known as the Mysterious Traveler, as Inspector Faraday, and a character named Mary Wesley as Blackie's girlfriend. Right, Mary Wesley was not in the 1944 Chester Morris series. She was a new character created in 1945 and played by Leslie Woods and then later by Jan Minor. You'll remember Jan Minor as Madge, the manicurist in the Palm Olive dishwashing liquid commercials. You're soaking in it. Exactly. We'll be presenting a couple of Boston Blackie episodes from this Dick Kalmar series in future podcasts. Ziff also produced Boston Blackie for the small screen in the 1950s with many episodes in color. Frederick W. Ziv was not only an entrepreneur in radio, but also in television. The Boston Blackie TV show starred Kent Taylor with Lois Collier as Mary and Frank Orth as Inspector Faraday. Here's a fun fact. Along with Clark Gable, Kent Taylor served as the inspiration behind the name of Superman's alter ego, Clark Kent. Right, so both Clark Gable and Kent Taylor were famous actors in the 1930s when Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster borrowed their first names, Clark Kent. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Radio Rarities. Radio Rarities is a Gulfstream Studios copyrighted production produced by yours truly, Carl Amari. My co-host is Lisa Wolf. Mike Castella is our executive producer, and the show is written by Carl Shadow. Next week, we'll bring you a unique episode of the Screen Guild Theater, so don't miss it. Thanks for listening.
everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.